0: Guess where we're going? Luke chapter 15, the prodigal. We're, we're going to talk about the comeback story again. Uh, I believe this will be the capstone of this particular teaching. I hate to let these things go, but um, there's definitely more information we could uncover and things we could ponder and meditate on. Uh, but Lord willing, we'll, we'll get on some of that maybe at a different time. So we're going to do lesson four today. It's, it's called Come Join the Party. Come Join the Party. Now, this Luke 15 is my go-to story when I'm helping people see the love of God. It may be something you want to adapt in your ministry as you're talking to people. It just really covers the gamut of of a whole lot of things concerning our relationship with God and the different states we find ourselves in. And we're in the final part of this story. We're going to be dealing with the older brother in this idea of come join the party. All right. Now, Jesus is teaching us. He's always teaching us. And this is his primary message throughout the entire Gospels, that the kingdom of God is available. That's what this story is teaching us, that the kingdom of God is available. And Jesus says it like this in other places. He says, come, everybody, come. Just come to me. Doesn't he say that? another place he says, whosoever will, let him come. So Jesus is in in the business of opening up the kingdom. He teaches us in this story that Father's arms are open wide to receive you. No matter what state you're in, Father's arms, didn't you say in the story? Father's arms are open wide. That forgiveness is now offered on a whole new level. That restoration is now a possibility. Isn't that good news? That restoration, that no no matter, even if you blew it, even if it's your fault, which, I mean, come on, what, what sin is not our fault? We, we chose it, you know, somebody said, I fell in. No, you didn't. You dug the hole, you poured the water in, you built the diving board, and you counted to three and jumped. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. But restoration is possible even when it's our fault, when we tear up our own house, when we tear up our own life. Restoration is possible. So this idea, Jesus says that all things are possible if you only believe. And the idea is not the kingdom is new, that, but the availability is there. That the possibilities because of Jesus have now reached a height. It's opened up. And what does belief look like according to this story? What does belief look like? Well, it looks like coming home, doesn't it? It looks like coming home to the Father. And what is home? Home for our heart is being in a right relationship with your Heavenly Father. That's home for your heart. Home is, in the scriptures right here is not a location. It's a state of heart. It's a state of relationship. And when you're in right relationship with your heavenly father, your heart finds its home. So we can say it like this too. Home is getting your heartbeat in sync with heaven. And I may may use the term Jesus. I may use the term father. I may use the term God. I may use the term heaven. Uh, It's your job to understand all of those mean the same thing in this story, okay? (laughs) Home is getting our heart back in sync with our father. You know, that that prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray, not my will, but yours be done, or yours is the kingdom, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus is teaching us is how to synchronize our heart again, how to put our heart and our will and our mind and all the thoughts back in line with heaven. Now, Jesus' audience again, for our last time, tax collectors and what? Tax collectors and sinners, remember? Those were definitely the younger types, the younger son types, right? Those were the ones that typified that lost sheep. Remember, and I'm just kind of jumping in here, just hoping you've been reading this story with me and listening along. The younger son types are that lost sheep that's gone and wandered and gone astray into that far country, right? Then he's also talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, these would be the older son types. That's like the lost coin. And where was the coin lost? It was lost in the house and this older son is going to show us the other way to be lost. Now, we know about the way to be lost like you're out there and uh, you, you're, you're, you're gone. We know that way to be lost. Jesus teaches us another way to be lost that you can be lost right in the house. Hmm. Because there again, it's the heart. It's not the location. It's the heart. You can, you can wander off and go your own way and certainly be lost. Or you can have what the Bible calls a hardness of heart. Or lack of love and be lost as well. Hmm. Now that's that's kind of a tragic thing that you can be right under the voice of truth. You can be right underneath the fellowship of the saints and be lost. Hmm. Now make no mistake about it. I hope this doesn't happen today. But messages like what's going to be said today is why Jesus got killed. You understand that? This is extremely, extremely pointed, directed to the older brother types. Now, it's done in love from Jesus' perspective. I hope I can do the same thing. But understand the, the gravity of what's being said here and the pointedness of what's being said here it, it is one of the reasons why they wanted to kill Jesus. So just kind of feel that tension that's in the air. But you know what? Jesus is cool as a cucumber, isn't he? He's not scared. Oh said, I ain't scared. <laughs> he's not, you know why? Because his love for the people overcomes any kind of fear he would ever have. His love for those tax collectors and sinners who are away, he 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 wants to draw them in. So he's not worried about what anybody else says. But don't make any mistake about it. His love is stretching out towards those scribes and Pharisees as well. And and his love causes him to not even be concerned about what they think about what he says. And, and he's a master anyway, because guess what? He, he kind of knows what they're thinking already. It, isn't it scary to be with somebody, if you're married, you know about this, guys, to be with somebody who knows what you're thinking before you say what you're thinking? And tells you what you're thinking even when, if you were not thinking it or not? Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Don't ask me to say that again. All right. All right. Now, religion versus Jesus. Let's get a picture here. And I mean religion kind of in a negative way. Not, not, there is a pure religion taking care of widows and orphans, that James tells us. But religion kind of in a, in a man-made type situation. It looks for ways to keep people out, unfortunately. It, it kind of gets a country club mentality. You know, you, you, you got to be like us to be one of us, that kind of thing, you know. Religion does that. It doesn't matter what form it takes. It it can take the form of of a Methodist religion. It can take the form of a Baptist or Pentecostal or an Islamic or whatever it can. Religion is just, it's all the same. It's man's way to try to get to God when God's already made a way for man to get to Him. Religion looks for ways to keep people out. That's what Jesus is after right here. These Pharisees and scribes, in their hearts, whether they realized it or not, they created a club and it was us and them. And they drew circles. And they said you can come to church. They really had these kind of rules now. They said you can come to church if you're like this, but if you're, if you're in this particular condition physically, if you're in this particular condition mentally, you can't even come in the synagogue. They, they, they had things like that, believe it or not. Religion looks for ways to keep people out. Jesus looks for ways to help people get in. Searching, seeking for the lost. Isn't that what he's doing in this story? Seeking, looking, to bring them back from the dead, to bring them back to life. And remember, his job is not to make bad people good. Jesus' job is to make dead people live. That's what he does. It's a supernatural thing. It's, it's the life of the Spirit of God that enters into a person. It's not that he changes your behavior and makes you a good person all of a sudden. It's that he literally brings you back from the dead. Jesus wants all to come in. The irreligious, the religious. The outsiders, the insiders, Jesus's heart in this parable, make no mistake about it, is for all people, the younger type, the older type, to come. And his answer to all of us, no matter which side of the fence you're on in this story, his answer to all of us is, come and follow me. That's his answer to us. All right. Are you ready to read? All right. Let's go to verse number 20. Can you stand with me? I'd just like you to stand. It just kind of brings you to attention a little bit better. As we hear the word, let's read from verse number 20. We're going to pick it up right in the middle of the younger son coming home. Okay? We're going to read all the way to verse 32. All right, read with me. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. It's a great moment, huh? And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. They had a big old time. All right, let's pick up some new stuff here in verse 25. This will be our new ground for today. Now, his older son was in the field. He was working, maybe managing the servants and managing the fields, something like that. Maybe, maybe he was pulling a plow. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come because he has received and the father has received him safe and sound and your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots who killed the, you killed the fatted cat for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this story. It's so wonderful. It's like a mirror. We, we see all kinds of things in there that look just like us. We need you to help us, Lord. I I pray you'd help us to grab a hold of what you intended when you taught this, when you spoke this. Help us to grab a hold of that. And may the truth that you say set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, again. So the father throws this lavish party, right? It's a beautiful picture. The, 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 The forgiveness, the kiss, the escort back into the village, the interruption of that cutting off ceremony. Remember that? The robe, the robe of righteousness. Now he's in right standing again. He's clothed in the father's garments. The ring, the ring of authority. The sandals on his feet. He's not a slave. Slaves were barefooted. He's not a slave. He's got sandals on his feet now. He's a son. And he's welcomed back. And this big celebration, this party. And the father says, here's the reason for the party. This is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was dead off in that far country. And he he come back looking like a zombie. By the way, y'all seen The Walking Dead? I don't know if any fans in here about that kind of stuff. Sandy is okay. <laughs> he, he he looked like a zombie coming back. I mean, he smelt like pigs. He had mud on him. His clothes were tattered. His mind was all over the place. He's a mess. He didn't look anything like he left with a pocket full of money. He didn't look anything like that. In fact, if the father wouldn't have known his eyes, he might not have known his son. He sees him come home. And he says he was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. And the celebration is loud. It's it's loud. There's singing. There's dancing. Can you hear the music? Can you hear it? It's a celebration. There's a party going on. You know the deal? He hears it. And and he's curious because it's not normal this time of day. What's going on? And I I didn't know anything about anything that's going to happen. But something's going on at the house. Something's happening. And he hears that music playing and and the dancing. So he calls a servant nearby. And he says, hey, you came from that direction. What's, What's going on? And this servant said to him, your brother has come home. Now, what should be his response immediately? I mean, we could interrupt the sermon and just create a new one right here. What, 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 what should his response be? Your brother has come home. I mean, who knows how long he's been gone? Six months? Six years? Ten years? I don't, I don't know how long he's been gone. He's been gone long enough to, to uh, get in a mess. I do know that. And to lose everything he's got. So he's been gone some length of time. Your brother has come home. And, and your father has received him safe and sound. He's even killed the fatted calf. I mean, it's a big party. It's a big barbecue going on. And he goes from curious to furious in a split second. Why does he get so mad so quick? Well, this this word that Jesus says, he says he received him safe and sound. Now, we, we think about that is that he just came home and he's physically okay. He's not harmed. He's okay. But in, in, in the, the picture that's painted here is not that he's okay, it's that he came home and the father received him. That's an important word. He received him and made peace with him. In other words, what this boy hears that your brother came home and your daddy forgave him of everything. And he killed the fatted calf. You know what that means? That means there would be no kazaza ceremony. There'll be no cutting-off ceremony. All that's been... I I could hear it welling up in him Say, well, I wasn't included in that decision. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't include anybody else in your salvation decision? Because there are still people that probably don't think you should be what you think you are anyway. He wasn't included in it. So so his his rage is building up. I, I got another idea about his anger. You know, this younger brother of his has caused him a lot of pain and grief. Guess who's had to pull up the slack? Guess, guess, guess who put the farm in jeopardy and now we've got to work out this mess that you created. You went off to have a good time and sow your wild oats, so to speak. And now we're here left to deal with what you left us with. And daddy's been a mess. Mama hadn't been able to cook right. Nothing's been going on right. The farm has lost its rhythm. You understand what I'm talking about? Because here's, here's something we don't understand as younger brother types sometimes. Our decisions and our sinful, selfish choices hurt a lot of people when we do it. Don't they? So I kind of feel some of his anger. He's been put in alerts a little bit, been put in a stretch. We hurt people when we sin. So I kind of get some of that. His anger... It says he was angry and would not go in. I, I want to do this. I want to just compare two things in the story. I want to compare the father's compassion and the older son's anger. They're going to be put... Now, remember again, the father is, is none other than Jesus, for sure, and it represents God. The older son would represent who again? Who would the older son represent in the story, in the audience? The scribes and the Pharisees, right? Okay. Now, one is full of compassion and one is full of anger. Let's just pull some tidbits out of the story and see. So the father has compassion. Now, he has compassion on the older son. He, he goes out and invites him to join the party. Don't you see him going out? is the second time he's gone out. What, what, what was the first time he went out? What did he do? He went out to meet him at the end of the village. The younger son, didn't he? Now, you see the father's heart again. He goes out not to go bring the wayward one home, but the one that's lost at home, the one who doesn't understand what's happening here. He goes out to him. I want you to understand, Jesus is painting a picture of the compassion of God towards those who don't necessarily think like God does. And can't you see that Jesus' example of the younger and the older covers the whole gamut of humanity? Can't you see that? He invites him to join the party. The older son's anger in comparison He refuses to go into his own house. That's pretty mad. I mean, because if I'm that mad, I'm going in to throw you out. I'm not staying out of my own house. You understand what I'm talking about? (laughs) But he's so angry, he refuses to go even into his own house. The father's compassion is shown again. He pleads with him. Did you hear that? He, He pleads with the older son. He pleads with him. That's that's the kind of the Isaiah thing. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be red like scarlet, I'll wash them white as snow. That's that pleading, right? That's the pleading. He's pleading with him. That's the way God is. Now, now not a, see Jesus is painting this picture of God that God actually pleads for people who are in the wrong, rather than standing up in heaven with a big stick waiting to pounce. You see the picture he's painting. How different would things be if we really saw God as one who pleads with us? I I mean, that's a mystery, really. It's a mystery that God would even bother with us, to be honest with you. And it's a miracle. But I heard heard somebody say the other day that it's it's, it's not a miracle that God loves you. That's not a miracle. It would be a miracle if He didn't love you. Because God actually is love. He pleads. He pleads. And the older son, in comparison, he chastises his father publicly. He insults him publicly. Now, in a patriarchal culture like this, that, that's, that's a big no-no. I mean, well, in my house, that would be a big no-no too. I mean, my daddy wouldn't put up with that kind of stuff. Anybody have daddies like that? I mean, it, it, I mean, my daddy. I don't even know what my name. I didn't know what my name was until I graduated high school. You know, boy. <laughs> Anybody understand that kind of thing? Boy, I told you, you know. The father's compassion, he calls him son. He he says, my dear son, listen to me. And that's a term of endearment. It's almost like he's saying, my my child, listen, listen. You know what this older son in in anger does? He never properly addresses his father, which is a no-no in that culture again. And it's Public. I mean, this is a public party, and everybody's there. The whole town, all of Gilbert Town came to this deal. You know what I'm talking about? The father's compassion, again, is shown. He says, your brother, your brother has come. He hasn't cut him off. The father never cut him off in his mind either. He's certainly not going to cut him off in public. The older son's anger in comparison, instead of saying, you're my brother, he says this in the story. He says, this son of yours. Big difference, isn't it? I mean, the servant has said, Your brother has come home, and the father's killed the fated calf. He stewed on it on his walk back home. By the time he gets to the father, he says, This son of yours. It's really a pejorative term. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the father's compassion has shown that he forgives the sin which is a miracle. I mean, that's a real miracle that God has so much love that He doesn't overlook it at all. Forgiveness is not Him overlooking it. Forgiveness is Him staring you straight in the eye saying, I know exactly what you did and I choose not to hold it against you. Forgiveness is is not a sweeping it under the rug. It's a decision that God makes. You know, it says things like this about the forgiveness of sins in the Scripture. It says that God says that I will remember your sins no more. Now, what's the idea? Does God all of a sudden have amnesia about what happened in 1989? (laughs) Does God have amnesia? What's going on? No, God, somehow or another, I don't know if it means remember that he can't recall. I don't know if that's what it means. I do know it means this. Because I can't can't relate to not recalling because I I remember. Don't you remember? Unfortunately. I do know it means this. When God says, I will remember your sins no more that I'm going to forgive you. it, It means this. That I choose not to let that come between us. I choose not to. I know you did it. I'm going to put that aside. And it is part of your history. But it's not going to be part of our future. You see what I'm talking about? The father in his compassion forgives the sin. The older son in his anger magnifies the sin. Do you see what he said? I mean, in this culture, this would have been like fight to the death kind of words. He says, this son of yours has gone off and wasted all of your livelihood, wasted our whole inheritance that you gave him. He wasted all that on on crazy living with with harlots and all those kind of things. Now, we don't know what he did in, in the far country. This boy I mean, there was no social media back in that day, so he probably don't know either. And the Jerusalem Post was a little slow getting out in the morning, you know. So he doesn't know what he did, but in his mind, and it's, it's very possible that the boy did sin like that. It's very possible because when you're in a far country and you're in the wrong place, you'll do the wrong stuff. It's possible that he did, but what, what Jesus is, is capturing here is that the older brother's anger causes him to magnify the sin. And he does it publicly. Here's leads into this even more. The father, his compassion covers the shame. The older son wants to uncover the shame. Can't you see him? I mean, if he can get to that younger brother, he's going to be like, you think you're something, don't you? I've been knowing you all your life. You do think you're something else. You think you can get away with it. You think daddy just rubbed this all under the carpet, don't you? I know what you did. Now, we've been running a long time. I know what's in your heart. Not, not, not. <laughs> it's just an illustration. Okay? <laughs> I, I, I know you. And he, he wants to... Exp- you see, see, love covers a multitude of sin. Isn't that what the scripture says? God is that kind of love that he wants to cover the sin so that the real you can come forth. But, but here, this, this anger and this hostility, it wants to uncover it, and it wants to say, I'm going to tell the world who you really are. But in his anger, he doesn't know who he really is, much less his older brother. You got it? Let me get me a drink of water here, because that okay? Thank you, Miss Pat. I got hot. Y'all hot? Phew. You're not... Oh, it ain't been hot in this church in a while, has it? (laughs) The A.C. is working. He covers the shame. The older brother wants to uncover the shame. The father gives restoration. The older son wants to cut him off. I think it's pretty obvious. Now, Jesus' message to the scribes and the Pharisees and all this is that your heart is out of sync with heaven. That's what he's saying. Your your heart. Jesus is pleading with them to repent. That's a big Bible word again. It means to change the way you think. Change the way you think about what you're thinking. Change the way you see people. Especially in this context, change the way you see lost people. And they're coming home. Jesus is calling us to a different kind of love. To his kind of love. That's the message. Love is the message. Now here's here's a couple of things before we go. Uh, a couple of the wrong mentalities they've got. A son-daughter mentality versus a slave-servant way of thinking. Okay? Do you realize the scripture tells us that we are sons and daughters of the Most High? That you are a son and a daughter. That you're not a slave and a servant. Now, I, I've, I've had to come to terms with this and several times in my praying and things like that. I've had to come to terms with the idea... That I pray, Lord, your servant hears. And that's in the Bible. That, that's, that, that's not a bad thing. But lately, the last few years, the Lord has been correcting that as I pray. And he says to me personally, just to change my, my way of thinking, you're not a servant, you're my son. And again, I said it last week. See, servants cannot ever be sons, but sons will always serve. But see, a son is, as, and a daughter is a different mentality. The younger son comes into this idea see neither neither son knows how to be a good son neither one of them the younger son when he comes back remember his speech that he said to himself make me like one of your what remember that one of your hired servants let me work it off now the older speaks out and he says this he saw himself as a servant remember he said that he said Lo, these many years I have served you and I've labored for you and I've worked my tail off and I've done every single thing that you wanted me to do. He not only sees himself as a servant, he sees himself as an unappreciated servant. Here's what I hear in this story. When you don't know how to be a good son or daughter, you cannot be a good brother or sister. See, it starts... With our connection with our father and our understanding of of his love for us and as i understand how he john said it like this he so loved me so now i can love you isn't that that what it says by this we know love not that we first love god but that he first loved us and if god so loved us we also ought to love our brothers and sisters that's what 1 John says. So in order for you to be a good brother or a good sister, you've got to learn to be a good son and a good daughter. Love is the key. So how can you be a good son or daughter? Now for the younger types, you come back into relationship with your father, don't you? You come back. You, wear, you, you walk in forgiveness. You wear your robe. You wear your ring. You wear your sandals. And you enjoy the party. Enjoy the celebration of life and embrace your true identity. This is not his new identity. This is his true identity. There's a difference. See, the world's all looking for new identities, looking through it in all kinds of places. And we're coming up with all kinds of new terminology to try to identify people and their orientations and all that kind of stuff. And they're looking to find their new self. God wants to show you your true self. He's got an identity for you that you never even considered. How does the older son become a good son or daughter? A good son. He realizes this. The father said this. He said this to him. Son, you're always with me. Everything that I have is yours. So how does the older type become a good son? He embraces the blessings and the provision of his father every single day. This is not wait till later. This is not wait till heaven. This is embracing blessing and provision every single day. And you not only embrace the blessing and provision of your father and even his presence, you learn to embrace your brother, especially the ones who come home. Hmm. Another thought. Y'all good? You okay? Think about his self-righteousness. I I want you to look at this verse 29. Can you pull that up on the screen there, verse 29? I'm going to read this, and I want you to count I, me, and my that comes out of his mouth. Okay? And self-righteousness is when you basically put yourself at the center of your world, and it's all about you, or it's all about your effort, or it's all about you, and and, and a lot of us control freaks have problems with self-righteousness because we've got to be in charge. Okay, now listen to to how many times he says, I, me, or mine. Okay, count them with me, will you? So he answered and said to his father, this is the older, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Who's at the center of his world? (laughs) Did you see them? One, two, three, four, five, five five times or so. Right there in verse 29. And and Jesus, as a master teacher to reveal the hearts of men and women, he says one of the problems that you have with embracing your brother is your own self-righteousness. It's all about you. the point. And it's very pointed, actually, if you were listening that day. The father says this, it's just right. It's right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. It's just the right thing to do. It's, it, it's, it's not... Whether you like it or not, it's just what's right. A human being has been restored. A life has been snatched out of the grave. A lost person has been now found. Somebody who was way out there has now come home. It's just the right thing to do to have a party. Now this is our heart. This is to be our heart and this is to be our mission. Lost people need to be found. Dead people need to be made alive again. And we need to be glad about it. What do you do if it's somebody you know, and you know what they did, or maybe they even did it to you? It's going to be a challenge, isn't it? (laughs) The point is clear. This is the right thing to do, son. This is the right thing to do. Now, what happens in the story? Well, Jesus, as a master teacher, leaves it as a cliffhanger, doesn't he? Does he come in? Does he repent and ask the Father for forgiveness? Or does he take his toys and go somewhere else? We, we don't know. <laughs> Why? Why did Jesus leave it like that? To help us, didn't he? To help us examine our hearts to see where we need to change our minds. And to say, hey, are you going to join the party? All of heaven celebrate. Are you going to be part of it? Join the party. Now, this story is like a mirror, isn't it? Did, did you see yourself in, in several parts of it? Shake your head like this, no, say, well, it's time to go, whatever. <laughs> the story's like a mirror. And you know what? For me personally, I don't know about you, but I, I've been both. <laughs> I've been the younger, just going wayward and self-willed. Anybody like that besides me? I mean, the confession booth is not open right now, but anybody like that? Yeah, We can relate to this younger guy. and Boy, the story of the kingdom being open to us now and forgiveness and a new robe and a new ring. Oh, my goodness. That that is heaven on earth right there. That is music to my ears. It almost seems too good to be true, really, depending on how far you went into the far country. But I've also been the older. Judgmental, self-righteous, anger that I would always call selfish or, or righteous, excuse me, excuse me righteous indignation (laughs) isn't that funny how we term our anger everybody else is just mad well my anger i got self i got righteous indignation isn't that the way we do it (laughs) we justify our anger now the son's anger is never justified he has been wronged greatly by this younger brother but the father never justifies his anger because here's the father i'm the one that he did wrong not you. You put yourself in the center of this circle. I'm the one that lost. I'm the one that was disrespected. I'm the one that was left high and dry. I'm the one that was left for dead, really. He, the boy broke relationship with me. He broke my heart. And the father would look at that son. He would look at us and say, if I can forgive them, what in the world are you doing? You see? You see? And if God in all of His majesty and might and power and holiness and righteousness can look at somebody as raggedy as somebody you know and say, I forgive them. Just take me as an example. I forgive them. How in the world could you not? That's what the Father would say. My mind goes to ten different stories Jesus told, but I'll, 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 I'll spare you. But you... Your mind's probably there too. Jesus said a lot about forgiveness, didn't he? Jesus calls us all to repentance. To think about what you've been thinking about in order to line up with him. So Jesus, give us your heart. Give us your heart for the Father and give us your heart for people. Now, don't, don't, don't make the mistake now that Jesus loves the younger types and he's mad at the older types. Don't make that mistake now because us younger types sometimes look and say, well, Jesus just hates religious people or those overly religious people, or those wrongly religious people. Jesus hates. That is not what the story teaches us. You hear me? The story teaches us that the father goes out and pleads even with the older brother type. Did you hear that in the story? Listen to me now, because there are people out there that do get on your nerves. I know them. I got some of the same nerves. (laughs) (laughs) But while they're getting on our nerves, the Father's pleading. Pleading with them. See, it's a heart change for all in the mix, isn't it? It's a heart change. Jesus loves the younger types. To do whatever he can to go out and find them like that lost sheep. But the older types, Jesus loves them too. And don't you mistake that. He sweeps the house clean. He goes to, Jesus goes to church every Sunday hoping that they'll hear, hoping that they'll listen, hoping that they'll open up their heart, hoping that they'll change their mind, hoping they'll come in to the party. You see what I'm talking about? Now here's a big revelation in the story. And you kind of got to read between the lines. See, the older brother, whose, whose fatted calf was that? That was his, wasn't it? Whose robe was that? See, the father divided to them their inheritance. The older brother got his two-thirds, the younger got his one-third, right? Whose ring was that? That, that come out of my treasure chest. See... In the story, the older brother should have been happy to pay the tab for his younger brother. Instead, he's not. He's angry. Jesus presents himself as our true older brother. And he says, for all you tax collectors and sinners and you wayward people, come on in. I've got the party set. The table's ready. You can come eat. Let's sit down and have fellowship together. I'm paying the tab. That's what Jesus did. That's what that cross is all about, isn't it? That's about him paying the tab for all the youngers to come back home. And Jesus puts himself throughout all the context of the, the Gospels as our true older brother who takes over the business of the Father to see that all the family comes in. That's what Jesus is all about. Amen. I mean, I just submit this to you. I hope it helps. I hope it helps. But I, I leave you with this. Cool in the gang would tell us there's a party going on. <laughs> and I, I was refraining for myself, you know, I'm from Memphis, so my, my legs won't stay still, Robin. <laughs> that OL stuff gets in my blood. I, 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 it's, I'm from Memphis. I can't help it, you know. I, I wanted to dance. There was dancing going on at this party. <laughs> there's a party going on. Heaven is happy when people come home. Amen. And when self-righteous people throw themselves on the righteousness of God, heaven gets happy over that too. So don't miss the party. Amen? Don't be the sour grape. Don't be the one that... you 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 know what I'm talking about. You get the point, right? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Lord, you are such the master. You are the master teacher. you not only reveal the Father to us, but you have a way of revealing our own hearts to us. Your words stir us. Your words convict us. Your words compel us. Help us, Lord. We we all know, everybody in this room knows, we're not all the way there. And Lord, I pray that somehow in your mercy, in your compassion, you, you would envelop our hearts in such a way that we would experience, not just read it in this story, but we would experience the love of our Heavenly Father. There would be a love so strong that it would dissolve chains. There would be a love so strong that it would just snuff out fear. it would be a love so strong that it would forgive sin. It would be a love so strong that it would cause dead people to live again. Help us, Lord.